0: Cool, warm welcome to Systemize Your Success. So today I'm joined by Steve Buston. And this is a guy that I've really been looking forward to speaking to. Now, he is uh, all about communication. He's worked from the stage and media online. He's a, an award-winning professional speaker. He was named UK Speaker of the Year back in 2015. He's also a public speaking coach and an in-demand um, as an event MC. MC. I've got it in my notes here. I didn't know that's how you spell MC, but there you go. Um, he used to run a PR agency as well for 11 years, and he started a career working as a journalist for the BBC. So an absolute wealth of knowledge and experience. And he's also the author of two books, just to throw it in there, The uh, the Authority Guide to Presenting and Public Speaking, and from his previous life, The Authority Guide for PR for Small Business. <laughs> This is somebody, as I said, I really look forward to speaking with. I um, have done a fair bit of public speaking um, over the time for trying to promote my own business. And I'm always keen to get some tips and hints and uh, suggestions on how that could be done better and improve stuff. So, um, yeah, welcome, Steve. A real pleasure to have you on the show.
1: You're very welcome, Steve.
0: Lovely to meet you. Cool. So, I mean, I've given you a very brief intro in there, but I'm sure you can do a slightly better job. Do you want to just give us, a, you know, a couple of minute background history? Like, what do you, what are you doing at the moment, and um, what's brought you here, and what what experience you bring to the table?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, as you say, communications is my bag, and always has been. Um, you know, I started a family newspaper when I was about seven or eight, and I used to sit there and type it out with a little plastic typewriter, and then pass it around my family. Um, And I was that kid in assembly at school who always wanted to stand up and speak and do stuff and things. So, I mean, I've just communication's always been what I do uh, and it's always been an interest and and passion of mine. So, uh, I mean, primarily now I work with people, either I'm on the stage myself as a speaker in embassy or I'm teaching other people how to do it, really. Um, But as you mentioned, my background actually is in journalism. So I started on BBC News, worked across Radio 4, Radio 5 Live. BBC One, various news programmes, and ended up on the news news channel. Um, And then I came out the BBC and crossed to the dark side and went into PR uh, and worked in PR for many years, initially in-house with a company and then started my own business, which gradually grew into a small agency specialising in the healthcare, aesthetics and cosmetic surgery sector for my sins, um, which was not a sector I ever set out to challenge or to to, to really head to, but seemed to come my way. but interestingly, alongside the PR, I was always being asked to go and speak at conferences and events. Um, I, I was a very early adopter of social media. And so I was being asked to go and sort of explain, I mean, literally, I was still doing sort of what is social media type type talks. And then I was speaking at a conference about that. And somebody sort of said, oh, you're good at that. Can you train me how to speak? And I'm like, yeah, I can actually. Um, I was also doing a lot of media interview training with my journalistic background. Um, so I Train a lot of people on how to give interviews. So I mean, in my time, I've interviewed, interviewed Margaret Thatcher, I interviewed Tony Blair, I've interviewed lots of celebrities, business leaders, members of the public. Um, of those, I would say the hardest interviews are always members of the public. Because with a, a with a politician and even a celebrity, you have a vague idea of what they're likely to say. Member of the public, you have not got a clue what they're going to come out with. Um, so it's all been, it's always been, you know, helping other people to communicate. That's why my business is called Get Your Voice Heard because that's what I do. And it was it was a colleague actually came up with that and said, that's what you do. You help people to get their voice heard. And like, yeah, you're right. Um, so it is yeah, it's absolutely about helping individuals and organisations to get their voice heard by the people who matter. And that's, I think, the key. And I think it's one of the mistakes a lot of people make is they will they just want to get their voice heard, with actually no strategy or system behind it. So they might be out there speaking a lot, but they're not necessarily making a lot out of it in terms of either you know money, fees, or in terms of you know, business development, reaching the right market. So yeah, it's um, it's a fun way to earn a living. And, you know, as I say I'm, I'm lucky because I get to be on stage myself, which is in some ways, paid business development, quite frankly, you know, if I'm on stage speaking or, or emceeing, normally, some at least you know, a couple of people will come up after them event, going, oh, you're good at that. Can you teach me how to do that? And it's like, yeah, I can. So yeah, that's sort of that's my bag say so communications and, and, and helping people get the message across.
0: Oh, cool, thank you very much. Um, I think what's what's interesting is obviously this is your this is what you do. This is your thing, as in like you you are speaking as a career and making money from speaking. But for yeah. many of us business owners, it's there's a different angle to it. It's a we we sort of often, and I know this is completely my story hate the idea of speaking before well i quite enjoy it now but back in the day i absolutely hate <laughs> it. i'm terrified of it i mean i went on yeah. speaker training and i remember like shaking at the you know front of the room and just couldn't believe that i was stood there and you know, so I was definitely one of those people that didn't it wasn't natural to me. And um, but I knew I had to do it or I felt I had to do it in order to, as you say, get your voice heard, you know, to 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 grow the business, to network and to to get myself out there. And it's one of the best things I ever did. I actually love um, speaking now. And I, it's right. it's something that I enjoy doing because I'm talking about something that i'm passionate about and it's just a medium to get it out there so i guess a, a long way uh, in introduction into the question or the or the, the train of thought which is you know when you're when when you're helping businesses going from this point so maybe they're like i was petrified like what is it like why how do you incentivize somebody to actually just take that first step to do it and and what what should they be talking about in a small business owner you can pick anything that you're you know familiar with as a train like you know what is it that you say to look if you could just talk about this then you know things will get better for you
1: yeah i mean i know i know what you mean about the fear i actually have a t-shirt that says um your greatest fear is how i make a living um although somebody used to come up to me a while back and get what you work with spiders It's like no obviously not um <laughs> that would be my greatest fear quite frankly uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people hate the idea of public speaking. And I'm really pleased to hear that you don't. Know, you've done it and you've trained and you've practiced and now you enjoy it. And I, I think that's the thing most people, if they're willing to put the hours in and, and the practice and the preparation, will end up enjoying it. So often when people come to me saying, you know, I, I the language is interesting, there's often, oh, I've got to do this, I've got the, you know, I've got this presentation coming up, I've got I've only got three weeks, and there is a sense of dread. And it's like, well, why on earth did you say yes? If you've got to do it, well, you know, I've got to do it. I've got, you know, it's, I, it's an opportunity. I recognise the opportunity. Ah, OK, that's a much more positive word, isn't it? It's an opportunity. And I think for a lot of people, there's a, there's a reframing job to be done in terms of taking it from this onerous, uh, awful thing that, that, that you know, is looming in their diary into something that actually is an opportunity. And it's an opportunity for them. And it's an opportunity for their business. And what a lot of it boils down to is an audience wants you to do well. Very few audiences are sat there going, oh, go on, cock it up. Um, You know, because watching a a speaker do badly is excruciating. It's horrible watching somebody suffer on stage. We'd rather see somebody do well. And if we are going to give you our attention, then we want that to be repaid. So there has got to be a purpose behind it. I always say an audience's attention is a privilege and it's a privilege you have to earn. So there has to be a purpose behind why you're speaking. What do you want to achieve? Perhaps more importantly, what do the audience want to achieve? What do they want to get out of it? Why should they give you the honor of their attention? And I think once somebody starts to understand what's in it for them, but also what's in it for the audience, then they're in a much stronger position to deliver. Um, And and okay, you can get into the technical side of it and you can get into what you use prompts or scripts or whatever, But actually, so much of it underpinned is, what's the objective? What do you actually want to get out of this? Um, And once people have started thinking in those terms, then normally they get to see that this is an opportunity and that actually there is a, you know, if you've got a call to action at the end, that's the bit that will hopefully generate more business or generate inquiries or whatever it is you want people to do. Um, So, yeah, I spend a lot of my time working with people. You know, it's not just, okay, let's look at how you create slides. It's actually, what's the mindset you need here? And how do we go about meeting your expectations with the expectations of those people sat out there in the dark looking at you?
0: It's interesting when you're saying this stuff, and this is no surprise, but before I was looking through some uh, your website, which I'll put the link in the show notes, and we can talk about it in a minute, but uh, you also got a, a great PDF on that. It's like a checklist. And uh, and I, you know, as I said, many years ago, I did some speaker training and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember them saying those things, you know, and, and there's loads of, of of great stuff. And you picked up on some really um, important ones there, I think, that, that, I mean, I'm sure they're all important. But the ones for me, is like having a real purpose and a reason for being there and a call to action. And that is something I got wrong so many times in the beginning, was I sort of got on stage because I felt I had to, you know, and I had to be there. Yeah. But I didn't have anything for them to do. Otherwise, i if you want to speak to me, then uh, I'll be at the back of the room, sort of thing, and then run off and hide. Yeah. But so, what other mistakes do you do you see people making uh, when they sort of start in the, the the world of speaking?
1: Well, the classy one is they only think about themselves. What do I want to get out of this speech? What is the information that I just need to impart without stopping and thinking why are the audience here? Now, sometimes an audience is there because they have to; be, they've been told to be there. But even then, they've got objectives. What did actually they want to achieve from this? So that, that I think is the, is, the, is the big mistake. I mean, other classic mistakes you see people make all the time. Opening with an apology. Oh, I'm really sorry. I'm really nervous. Oh, I'm really sorry. I think this might be a bit dull. I do quite a lot of work with accountants and people working in finance. And the number of people who will start by saying, this is, I'm really sorry, this is going to be a bit dull. And it's like, no. You know, if you're, if you're presenting to the board as the accountant, you are the most important person in the room because they can't make decisions until they know what you've got to tell, tell them. So it's just like, again, there's a reframing thing. Um, I mean, other classic mistakes, I think, would be not understanding timing, um, overrunning. An audience hates a speaker that overruns. Um, you know, if you've been given a 20-minute slot to speak, that doesn't mean you have to speak for 20 minutes. If you can say what you need to say and what the audience needs to hear in 15 or even 10, do it. You know, that presentation was too short, said no one ever. It's just, you know, people would you know, tell them what you need to tell them and then shut up. Go to questions from I mean, yesterday, or quite frankly, go to coffee. Um, and the audience will thank you for it. Um, so, yeah, timing's always a, a key one. Just, and just then to Just to chip in on that. Don't know actually how to guide themselves through. Sorry. I, I was
0: just going to say, I was just, as, as you were saying that, there, sorry to interrupt your flow of thought there, but um, I have been that guy at the front of a stage who, 40 minutes into 40 minute presentation i'm only halfway through and this horrible moment of thinking that how do i how do i end this now i've got to get off the stage yeah. but i've got to do this in slightly sort of elegant and and get and that is it and the reason being didn't practice it changed it just before i got on stage thinking oh, i've got a great idea for this it'll work really well
1: don't yeah. do that yeah. so yeah yeah sorry i yeah, didn't absolutely. mean to interrupt you i just, just need to horrible memories <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we've all been there, and it is that thing where you look down, and suddenly you look at a clock, or you glance at your watch, or you see somebody at the back of the room, sort of telling me to wind up, and you go, <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I mean, that, that does come down to, as you say, lack of rehearsal and lack of preparation. Um, and, you know, I've, I've said to people time and time again the first time you say these words out loud must not be in front of the audience. You know, an actor would never go on stage without rehearsing, a barrister would never stand up in court without rehearsing their arguments. And yet, people will suddenly put themselves in front of a really business critical audience, or an audience that could be the making of their business without proper rehearsal. And people say, like, oh, I don't have time, make time. You know, this is this is this is important. Um, you've got to get this right. And you know, people go, "Oh, I'll wing it. No, you actually do need to prepare. And it's it's about setting your you know, putting a system in place that allows you to prepare for every presentation. And I'll give an example. Uh, one of the things I do is, I mean, I use I use Evernote a lot, um, so I have Evernote on all my devices. And if I know that I've got a presentation comes up here, you know, something comes into my diary in even six months' time, one of the first things I will do is I will create an Evernote Evernote note for that event, and I will just start whenever anything occurs to me about oh, actually, you know, I know that that story would work well, or that gag might will go down well, or. Something, oh, I must remember to take that with me because I might need that piece of kit. Um, so, you know, I, I start this Evernote note going, which means that then in five months time, when that event is now only a month away, and I want to really start preparing properly the content, I've already got a list of all these ideas I've had over the last few months. And it might be at this point, you go, oh, actually, you know what, that gag doesn't work. Or that story, actually, that's not my opening story, but it would be a nice closer. And I can start to, to move things around rather than suddenly going, oh, my God, I've got a blank piece of paper in front of me and I've got to create 40 minutes of content. Oh, where do I start? So it is all about preparing, um, getting it, or, you know, getting those ideas in place. And then, you know, the structure and all this stuff. And am I going to use slides? And and slides are not a prerequisite. So many people you know, think presentation equals slides. It so doesn't. Um, but then rehearsal, you know, I always say it's you know, prepare, rehearse, critique, repeat so say it out loud quite frankly prop your phone up on your desk in front of you and deliver it to your phone watch it back hate it because nobody likes watching themselves on video but critique it put it in front of an audience you know put it in front of you know a small group of colleagues or friends or family and get them to critique it and make it better what do they say what's what's working what's not working change it Try it again and put it out there. And yes, it's time consuming. But actually, if this is a business critical presentation, it's time well spent.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I was gonna actually, actually ask you um you know, what one thing would you suggest people could do? But you've given so many good tips there already. Yeah. Um, you know rehearse,
1: a, a, rehearse. Yeah rehearse and i, like I love really. that evernote tip
0: you, you suggested because uh, and it got me thinking as well it's such a it's such a, a, a simple idea i mean i'm a systems guy and, and, and i love creating things like this around but i've never thought of that and i've never thought of just having a little um you know whatever i, I use samsung notes evernote whatever it doesn't matter um yeah. but just for that purpose of speech and speeches or i've done it for for book ideas you know when i've been thinking about um, Chapters of the book so I've never thought about it from a speech perspective and it's so true you come up you know you're walking in I, I live near the forest I go walk in the forest or whatever and that's when you get your best ideas you've sort of hold them in your head until you get home or whatever But um, yeah, yeah, simple stuff but I love it, it. It. it
1: also helps you realise that not every presentation is going to be the same it's so easy when you've got you know you've done a half hour presentation that maybe you've given two or three times it's so easy to go oh I'll just do that again but actually every audience is different and every event's different so, you know, yes, you, you might find yes, you actually can almost copy and paste something from one note onto another. So, yes, actually, that set, that chunk will work for this presentation again. Um, but I just think it's yeah, start capturing ideas, and also I find you know clients will get in touch when I see the publicity for an event and I'm going to be speaking out. I might read through it, and go oh okay, I didn't know they were speaking. I know I can do something that complements what they're doing. It just yeah, the more preparation you can put into it, the better it's going to be at the end, and also the less nervous you're going to be because you've done the preparation, you've done the rehearsal. Most people's nerves are based on the fact they're underprepared. Um, you know, we could argue whether you can go overprepared. Um, answer, yes, I think you can, but most people are underprepared and it shows.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I think, go back to the other days, like that example when I completely overrun, um, my, my lack of preparation, 100%. Um for for most of the failings um that I've ever had in doing any sort of speaking or anything anything like that. So uh, 100%. yeah, 100 percent Um one of the things that you mentioned there was about uh it was sort of a side comment, but I think it, it just fired something off in my head, it, which um sorry forgotten what I was going to say. Oh yeah, yeah. About <laughs> um about the audience and about knowing your audience. Yeah. And you mentioned obviously about knowing who else on stage with you, and that could be helpful as well. But I think that that is a key lesson for me, like knowing who you're pitching to and then adapting say if you have got a stock presentation that you always use but actually you know thinking look do as much research you possibly can about who's going to be in the room I mean is that something I'm seeing that's something that you do as part of course really with what you're yeah I'm um, particularly
1: yeah. you know because we we about audiences and, and you know you have a tendency to think of a big room an audience of several hundred actually for most of us most of our presentations are really pitches you know, we're in a meeting, a meeting room rather than a conference hall or, a, you know, um, any sort of big space. And I mean, it's interesting. I do a lot of work with agencies, having run a PR agency, I know the agency world well, I do quite a lot of work with agencies, particularly around how they are pitching for work. And yeah, finding out who's in the room, find out what they're interested in, can you actually gear your talk? Towards them, I worked with a um, what well, was a digital comms agency a couple of years ago, and they were pitching for a particular piece of work which was actually in fintech. But they discovered that the three people they were going to be pitching to, two of the three, were obsessed with cycling, and they discovered this because they went and checked out their Instagram and their Twitter and all that stuff, and they yeah they just always on you know all their spare time was spent cycling. So when they came to do the design the pitch and say it was fintech, they gave the pitch deck. A cycling theme. And they started talking about the spokes and they talked about how we need to put the brakes on. And we talked about, you know, the pedal, how we pedal faster and all this stuff. And two of the three, yeah, the two who were obsessed with cycling were just like, oh my God, bikes. To which the third person, who of course wasn't as interested in bikes, but knew the other two were, just loved it because he, you know, he could see how this had been pitched towards them. And it just made them stand out. Because again, I think that's one of the other problems a lot of people have when they present is they end up presenting. In pretty much the same way everybody else does, and you know, in pitch situations, it's actually incumbent on you to stand out to make it clear why you are different. And a lot of businesses, in particular agencies, struggle to differentiate themselves. Um, so, yeah, you know, understanding your audience and gearing it directly to that audience, you know, even right down to the the individuals within that audience, uh, can really pay dividends. So, yeah, do your research beforehand. It's you know, the more, again, the more information you've got, the more prepared you feel, the less nervous you are. Um, so the best you're
0: going to present yeah no i love it i love it and actually i'm reading a book at the moment um all about um creating um, remarkable customer experiences and um and one of the things they talk about there is about personalization of of communication with clients and this is exactly a brilliant example of that yeah. um you know if if if, if you know, people buy from people. People, and it's not all about buying and selling, but if people connect with people. Let's say you know, it's human to human is the way the world is run. And if you go to the extent of like that, those that that kind of with the bike, it doesn't matter if it's a bit cheesy. It's like you've bothered to do it. No one else does, you know. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah, yeah.
1: love it. Because also a lot of decisions on pitch, particular pitches. You know, if somebody's looking at digital agencies, they might see three or four different agencies having pitched them, and actually they all do pretty much the same thing you know, their services are all pretty similar. Their price points are all probably going to be fairly similar as well. So it's actually about who do we connect with? Who do we think is going to be fun to work with? You know, and if if they show that they've done a bit of research and they understood you and and, and what makes you tick, it's a big, you know, it's a big plus.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I love it um one thing i noticed when i was trawling your your trawling is that the right word looking at your website <laughs> let's say stalking um, trolling yeah uh stalking you're stalking you earlier um was you've just celebrated 21 years in business so congratulations on that yeah and so you. if you yeah, o- over that time uh what have you learned what what are the 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 the, the biggest lessons you could you could share with the you know your wisdom now as a you mm. know two decades in to help yeah
1: help. well it's interesting i'm in the middle of writing a whole series of blog posts called 21 lessons i've learned from 21 years in business Quite um early. and uh and i, I sort of did, did the first chance of seven I'm, I'm just about to start the second round of seven um to me i think the thing i've really learned is it's got to be fun you're not enjoying what you're doing you're never going to do it to the best of your ability you're never going to give it the work it needs if you're not enjoying what you're doing the way i sub- describe it is if you get sunday night blues change something's wrong you know if you if you're if you're employed and you get sunday night blues you're possibly in the wrong job you know maybe this isn't the right employer maybe this isn't the right team the right circumstance whatever if you are running your own business and you're getting sunday night blues you've got a problem um, to me, you know, I, one of my, one of my brand values, uh, within get your voice heard is fun. It's gotta be fun for me to do it. And I want to make it a fun experience for everybody to work with. Now that doesn't mean that it's going to be flippant or lighthearted all the way through, uh, although I'm probably known for humor. I did, I did use, I used to do stand up comedy and, and I've done a lot of important things. So people know that I, yeah, I will bring humor to something, but it's actually about enjoyment. It's people have got to enjoy what they're doing. So that is one of the big things to me. And I'm, I'm aware if I see a piece of work comes my way and I can look at it and think, mm, I'm actually not going to enjoy doing that. I think that's going to be a headache. Might be the client relationship. I think is going to be a bit odd, bit tricky or it might just be that it's piece of work that isn't quite in my wheelhouse, or it might just be something that I think, Oh God, I've done that far too many times. That's going to be really dull. I've learned to pass. And there are times when I have passed on pieces of work that I could probably have done if I'd wanted to, but, you know, I thought, I don't necessarily want to, if I don't think it's going to be fun, if it's not going to make my life richer, then do I want to put myself through it? Now, I'm lucky in many ways that I'm able to do that. You know, I'm, I'm, My business is established to the point where I can, to an extent, pick and choose the work I take on. And that's a very nice position to be in. And you know, that has taken 21 years to get to. There is no doubt about it. In the early days of my business, I certainly took on work that wasn't quite as much fun. Um, but I think, so yeah, that was a big lesson for me. Uh, so I think yeah, for me, got, there's got to be a pleasure to it. If it's not, why are you doing it? Why are you vlogging yourself? And I've seen so many people in business who are just slogging at it. And okay, so they might have a very long-term goal. But at the same time, we only live once. You know, it's like, why spend your career vlogging yourself something to potentially maybe get to a goal later on? I, yeah, fine, I can understand longer-term goals. But I just think there has to be enjoyment along the way. Otherwise, there is a real problem
0: yeah from someone who has changed their career three times in the past two and a half decades um <laughs> for that reason to try to find something that i am truly truly enjoy every day uh, that is really resonates with me because yeah. um i spent far too long doing stuff that i convinced myself i enjoyed because i was meant to uh, or convinced myself i was happy doing um until i finally seven or so years ago now uh landed in what i do now and i love it yeah. and you know yeah. I, I and I, it shows like so much like it shows when you with your clients like you know people often comment or remark to me about you know how much i look like i'm enjoying what i'm doing when i'm when i'm talking about my like systems and like it's not for everyone's yeah. it's not everyone's bag but right. i love it and so it doesn't matter who's out whose bag it's not you know, you know. Hopefully, I, I can help them. You know, that in the same as you, like yeah. being loving something that a lot of people hate is a great business. <laughs> okay, <Or can> business. <laughs> opportunity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's no, one fantastic. of the reasons.
1: I mean, I'm. You know, I do a lot of MC compare work, and one of the reasons I'm, you know, one of the reasons I'm I'm known for it and good at it is because I really enjoy it, and the, I sort of say the stage is often my happy place. But it's one of the reasons. In some ways, I would rather be there as MC than as keynote speaker. I do keynote there. I have a couple of things I you know I do deliver speeches on, but actually I like the slightly more informal nature of MCing and the ability to bounce off an audience, and I find that far more fun. And again, if I'm having fun, then the audience is going to have fun. Um, but even if I'm running a training course, and you know I like a lot of people, I you know I run training sessions for companies and things, and I can, if I get to see somebody on their feedback form or they come up to me afterwards and say. That was so much fun. I enjoyed it. The classic one is that people say, oh, God, I hadn't expected to enjoy it. I'm like, why did you sign up for the course then? Um, but, you know, people say, I hadn't Yeah, you know, Oh, I really enjoyed that. I hadn't expected to. And I think, great. I take that as a big compliment. And while yeah. I get a lot of a big buzz from being on stage, I get just as big a buzz from seeing somebody else on stage enjoying themselves as a result of the work we've done together. Yeah,
0: absolutely. No, fantastic. Um... So, quick, very quickly, you've mentioned one one quick systemization tip, which I love, which is the Evernote um, idea. Is there any other any other? You know, obviously, this is a, a podcast, a bit about systems. So, do, any other tips of from that perspective that you could uh, that you could share?
1: There's a few things. I mean, there's a few tools and things. I mean, yeah. it, you, mentioned, um, you mentioned you mentioned one re- when we were talking offline before. What, what was that one? Hmm. So, Udly. Y O D L I, and it's new and it's mo- currently in beta and it's currently free, um, which is extraordinary. And it's an AI tool that you plug into Zoom um, and it will actually, it will listen into your, your speech, so you, particularly when you're practicing. But if you're delivering on Zoom, you can use it as well. And it will then analyze it and come back with a really detailed analysis, a full transcript. It'll count the number of ums, errs, hesitations, pauses, it will measure your speed. It will measure the tone of your voice. It will measure positive and negative language, but it will also do things like it will talk about whether you're using inclusive or exclusive language, which is really fascinating. Um, you know, we all hope that we're being inclusive for our audience, but it will pop. It'll notice words that you're, you're using that are that could exclude some people. Um, it will also notice things like qualifiers. You know, I think that, I believe that, are qualifiers. You know maybe you thought of this, it's a qualifier. And it, was, it will highlight all that. It's, I've, I've, been, I've only been playing around for the last few months, and it's just extraordinary. Um So yeah, Yudley Y-double-o-d-l-i. So it's open to anybody, which is currently free. So I can't imagine it will be forever. Um, but that's, yeah, that's a good one. The other one I suggest, which is really simple, is a, an app on iPhone, it's called P-Clock. So P-C-L-O-C-K on Android I believe it's called presentation clock, and all it is, is a countdown clock. And it fills the screen on your phone or your iPad. And it just means you can put it somewhere as you walk on stage, you press start, as you go and you set it to the number of minutes. So if you know you've got 25 minutes, you set it to 25 minutes, you, prep, you pick it as you walk on, just stick it on a table at the front or on the lectern or I sometimes will ask somebody sat on a front row table to hold it for me so I can see it. And it just counts down. And it counts down in green numerals. And then you can set it. So I normally have it so that five minutes, the numerals go yellow. And then at one minute, the numerals go red. So I know that I'm getting close to it. If you do get to zero, it will then start counting up in big, flashing red numerals, So you know how much you've overrun by. And it's just a brilliant tool. And particularly if you know that you have to a very strict time limit. um, It's a great tool just to help to to keep you to time and stop you overrunning. So it's a, uh, yeah, that's called P Clock, as they say on, on Apple, or Presentation Clock on Android, Android. I think, and it's 99p or thereabouts on most most app stores.
0: Cool. Oh, oh, that's awesome. I'll check both those out. Fantastic. Um, one last thing before you go. Um, mm. There's, there's uh, something that went on a, a while ago about some dating scams that I happened to just <laughs> see. And, uh, and I know you've, you've, You uh, mentioned that this was a fine thing to bring in and okay things to talk about. So tell me about this because I'm sure there's a funny story behind this to finish with.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, yes, it's funny. If you Google my name, you will find this. That's why I tend to just bring it up because it's easier. Um, One of my claims to fame is that I am the face of an online international dating scam. So, i.e., somebody nicked about 25 photos off my Facebook profile and uses them on dating sites to try to set up profiles to try to scam rich, elderly women out of money. No. Um, now, the ultimate irony being is that I'm married to a man, so these women really aren't my type. <laughs> um, but the, wor- the worst thing about the whole thing is the scammer sends these women in my photos and says, I'm 68. Uh, mean, there's nothing wrong with being 68, but I'm not. I'm 51. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's one of the women tracked me down. She got suspicious with some of the photos that she had been sent on one day. And in some of them, my hair was silver. And in some of them, my hair was still dark. And she suddenly thought, there's something wrong here. So she did a reverse Google image search on them and found my website and my LinkedIn profile and Facebook profile. And she she rang me. uh, And we ended up going public. So we ended up doing, I did the Victoria Derbyshire show. We did You and Yours on Radio 4. We did a big photo shoot for the Mail, big piece in the Sunday Times to raise awareness of romance for all and dating scams. Uh, So it was, yeah, it was interesting. It was a really interesting process, particularly for me being a journalist to suddenly find myself on the other side of the story and uh, being interviewed and things was was fascinating. And actually it had changed some of the stuff I trained, particularly when I'm doing media interview training. Uh, but yeah, that it is still ongoing. Every now and then I get I get an email from a woman going, oh, thank you for going public with your photos, because I was chatting to somebody who was using your pictures, and now I realize it was it was it could be a scam and you, you've you stopped me from being scammed. Um I know of at least 18 women who've dated, quote, me. Um, but your yeah, husband's not happy with that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. no um and there are you know, i suspect there are dozens if not hundreds out there and i will never get those photos back you know i think it, i'm sure they are being sold on the dark web you know if you you are looking for a picture you know for photos or a profile of a middle-aged white haired silver haired man here you go there's a set of photos for them um but so yes it is my slightly odd claim to fame is i am the face of a dating scam um and if if anybody reads the um peter james novels about Roy Grace, the the, the detective set in Brighton, which is where I live. Um, and they're just, they're being televised now on ITV as Grace with um, John Sim playing playing detective uh, Grace. Um, one of those books is based on my story because Peter James, the novelist, saw the stuff in the papers and reached out and said, I've been thinking about writing about romance fraud. So I gave him a lot of the detail and the background to what had happened to me. And then there is a character in the book based loosely on me. And on the back cover of the book, he described as a handsome gay motivational speaker. I'll take handsome. I'll take gay. I'm not really a motivational speaker. Um, I do business content, so yeah, that's um, it's a it's an odd one, but it's funny. And I I I have to be aware of it because if people are googling me, you know, for business purposes, it is one of the things that comes up. Yeah. So sometimes it's you know, I, I have no problem talking about it if it makes one more person aware of the scope and the problem with romance fraud and also the need to protect your online assets, and that's a whole another ball game. Um, you know, it's it's something that people need to be aware of. Um, so, yeah, and it's actually now, that is one of the keynotes I deliver. I d- I tell the story um, and I sort of play it for laughs, laughing at myself, laughing at the scammers. I do not laugh at the women at all. But then actually going on and talking about, A, how I turned it into a news story, but B, how to protect yourself and your assets online um, yeah. and how to protect yourself, how to stop yourself being scammed.
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, well, yeah, good to hear that you managed to uh, create a... yeah. So awareness and, you know, a good, good end result, if you like. That's the right way to say it out of, uh, you know, something that could have been there. Well, it was a bit, bit can't think of the word without swearing, but. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, rubbish. <laughs>
0: That's, uh, um, cool. Thank you so much. And I just want to ask you one last question before we go. Um, two last questions, actually. Um, firstly, the title of this podcast is Systemize Your Success. But what does success mean
1: to you? Success to me means enjoyment. It does mean that actually I'm able to enjoy, to choose the work that I enjoy, and to bring enjoyment to others when I'm doing it. So I think there's an element of that. Um, Success clearly means reward, and that is obviously financial, but also is satisfaction and knowing that you're making a difference and helping people. Uh, And I think it is. It is about recognizing that life is short, um, and success is. Not just measured in what's in your bank account, but actually success is in, is so multi layered. And I think we it's so easy in business. One of the lessons I've learned in twenty one years is that so many people only measure the financials, um, or lack of financials, and actually successes on so many other levels. And I think people forget to think about: Am I enjoying this? You know, if you're in a job or a business you enjoy, you are being successful. And I think we need to recognise that.
0: Fantastic. Great answer. Um, and lastly, who else do you think would be a great guest to have on this podcast?
1: Oh, I could. Oh, I mean, it's funny because I work in the sort of speaking world. I, know, I meet a lot of people. But actually, um, there's a chap called Barry Joinson who is a, so he's a leadership coach. He's not, he's not quite right. He's sort of. Um, he's somebody who helps to help people get their heads straight um, and does have some sort of therapy background and things. But he also does a lot of work on boats. So he will take leaders and teams out on boats to understand the need for teamwork and to understand actually how leadership can pass around between a team. Because if you all have your own role, you'll lead in that role and this sort of stuff. And he's a he's a no nonsense speaker. Um, you know, he he doesn't suffer fools and he will call BS if he thinks it's happening. And and uh, yeah, he's a he's a he's a good guy. And I think he'd be a great guest.
0: Yeah, cool i might tap you up afterwards for a uh, for a intro if that's all right yeah absolutely steve thank you so much for coming on i've really enjoyed this uh, i i was confident i would but you've not disappointed so thank you very much indeed
1: you're very welcome it's lovely to talk to you
0: thanks